I love that song. It is well with my soul. <laughs> I don't care how bad a mood I might be in, <laughs> how much might be troubling me at the time. We get together, we sing that song. I can't help but, uh, but smile and, and wipe the tears from the corners of my eyes. So I love that song. Uh, thanks for leading that. This morning we're going to examine the ascension of Christ. You know, we uh, last, actually on Sunday night, last Sunday night, we uh, looked at the Great Commission, and so we're going to to go back to that uh, Great Commission to begin with, and then we're going to talk about some of the impact of the ascension of Christ. Now, when when Luke wrote the book of Acts, he wrote to the apostles whom Christ had chosen. Notice there, Acts chapter one, verse two. Well, we'll go back to verse one. It says, "The former treatise." Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, referring to the gospel account of Luke, until the day which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passions by many infallible proofs, and being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so he speaks of that he is there with his apostles, the ones to whom he had shown himself alive after his passion, after his sufferings, after his crucifixion, over a period of 40 days. Now why was there a 40-day period? You know, the, the Lord had additional teachings and challenges he wanted to give the apostles before his ascension. It seemed that he wanted to do whatever, uh, take whatever time was necessary to prove to them with infallible proofs that he was really risen from the dead. He wanted no doubt whatsoever to remain in their minds. And the gospel accounts, you know, the events of these 40 days, they're kind of blended together. Sometimes it makes it seem like events that happened weeks apart happened all on the same day. When we look at the various references to that period of 40 days, there are at least 10 appearances of Jesus recorded in the, uh, the gospel accounts and the book of Acts. The giving of the Great Commission and the Ascension close out the period that Christ spent on this earth. And so we're going to look at that time period uh, this morning, as I said before. Uh, he began, begins, uh, let's look over there in Acts chapter one, beginning in verse 9, meant to read that at the beginning. It says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, <clears throat> while they beheld he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, and also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And so as he is there on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, with the apostles, he gives that great commission. We see this great commission given in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, uh, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, and Luke 24, verses 46 to 48. We'll suffice by looking at Matthew 28, as we uh, did last Sunday night. Uh, there's really the four alls of the Great Commission here. Uh, Jesus came and spake to them, All power 
And the word power there means authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age or end of the world. And so with his imminent departure, uh, you know, we would expect Jesus to have much to communicate. He surely spoke about many other things concerning the kingdom of God. His primary purpose, though, was to give that great commission. And so in summary, uh, he had all authority in heaven and in earth to go to all the nations. They were to go and teach all nations. You know, prior to the crucifixion, Jesus and his disciples basically restricted their teaching to the Jews. Now that restriction was going to be lifted. Notice also Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so all nations, uh, teaching them, All things whatsoever I have commanded you, thus the great commission is self-perpetuating, perpetuating. Teach them and help them to grow, and he says, I am with you always. Now, when the great commission is obeyed, you know, several things occur. You know, people are taught the message about Jesus. Mark chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, verse 19, teaching them to observe all things Whatsoever I have commanded you. Mark 16 verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They are to become disciples. Uh, They are to believe that the message is true. And trust in the sacrifice of the one who died for them. They are to repent of their sins. Change their lives. Determined to live for Christ. They are to be baptized. To have their sins washed away for the remission of sins. Uh, And when men obey, uh, when they respond obediently, God saves them and their past sins are forgiven. Luke chapter 24 and verse 47 says, And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so primarily he gives the great commission. But also there are some things about the ascension that we need to understand some things that kind of come to a conclusion. And so as we look at the the time for the ascension, there are historic accounts given of it taking place. Mark chapter 16 and verse 19 says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 50. After giving the great commission, it says, And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And so he was carried up into heaven in their presence as they saw. And then in Acts chapter 1 As we've already looked at, uh, when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sights. And so they were able to look up steadfastly into heaven and see him 
ascend back to the Father. We also, uh, you know, so when we come here to the natural conclusion to the life of Christ, His ascension. It was a natural conclusion for His life, but because since He came from heaven, it seems right that He should go back uh, and return to heaven. Again, it's really it's hard to fully comprehend all that this is describing and all that is taking place here. In addition to these three brief accounts, there are multiplied references, and both direct and indirect, to this event in the New Testament. You know, we have uh, in Peter's first gospel sermon, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 33, it says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted... And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into heavens, but he saith unto himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy, fo- thy foes thy footstool. Uh, and then uh, in the second gospel sermon, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 21, it says, Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his prophets since the world began. You know, here the phrase restitution of all things that took place when he ascended back to the Father refers to Jesus making all things right. Not physically, but spiritually when he returns. Uh, And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, It says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Then Revelation 12 and verse 5, we've got 9 there, it should be verse 5 says, and here and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was called up unto God, up to his throne. Here, the child is a reference to, to Christ here. And so called up to God in his throne. And so there are numerous references to the ascension of Christ. Now, what was the purpose for the ascension other than obviously uh, Christ's return to heaven? You know, it really had two purposes. The first purpose really is the glorification of Christ. He is glorified as Christ. He is glorified as prophet, uh, priest, and king. You know, at the ascension, uh, Jesus was received up into glory. Luke 24, verses 25 and 26. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, Believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Talking about the scriptures pointing out the the resurrection and the subsequent ascension of Christ. Uh, In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, it says there, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And then First Timothy or First Peter chapter one verse twenty one says, 
who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. He gave him glory when he brought him up and raised him from the dead and when he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. You know, the ascension is the high point of the work of Christ. The Savior had been preparing himself for his work as high priest and king. And so Jesus was now going home. He was returning to the glory that he once had uh, before he came to this earth. In John chapter 17 and verse 5, he said, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. This is, at, of course, at the Last Supper. Knowing he is about to be crucified, uh, he says, Father, restore unto me the glory which I had before the world began. We see the divesting of that uh, glory of himself and the future glorification uh, in Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, where it says, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, if you back that up to verses 5 through 8, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Here is that uh, Jesus divesting himself, emptying himself of that glory that he once had, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. The American Standard says emptied himself and took upon him the form of the servants and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto, the, unto death, even the death of the cross. And then because of his obedience to the Father's will, he is then glorified at the right hand of the Father. And so we see uh, that one of the purposes was the glorification of Christ. You know, Christ was glorified uh, as high priest. When he ascended, he became our high priest. He assumed that role of high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. In Hebrews 9 verses 11 and 12, it says, But Christ being, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption to us. And so again, Christ is now serving as our high priest, having offered himself as the sacrifice for our sins. Verse 24 says, For Christ is not entered into the holy place, made with hands which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. You know, on the day of atonement, the high priest went into the most holy place. He appeared before God, and he made that sacrifice. Uh, Christ is ever with the Father in heaven, ever uh, interceding for us. 
Uh, and then in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12, it says, But this man, after he had offered up one sacrifice for sins ever, sat down at the right hand of God. You know, year by year, the high priest of the old law would make that same sacrifice over and over again for the sins of the people. Christ offered himself one time, once for all, uh, reconciling man to God and now sits at the right hand of the Father. You know, a feature of Jesus' high priesthood is that he is our mediator. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You know, that was basically the role of the priesthood in the Old Testament, was to mediate, to go between man and God, to take the sacrifices of the sinful man and offer them up to the holy God. Christ does that role for us. He is our mediator. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Again, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest had to first make a sacrifice for himself for his own sins, so that he could represent the people to God and make the sacrifice for their sins. Christ never sinned. He had no sacrifice for his own sins to make. There was no need for it. He is a greater high priest than any high priest that ever came before. And so after Jesus ascended, he did not forget how weak the flesh is or how we struggle in our physical bodies. He remembers and he understands because he knows our feeling. He knows and he has experienced life on this earth as we have. Uh, he was glorified also as king. He was received up into heaven and sat down on the right hand of God. Mark chapter 16 verse 19. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He sits on the right hand of God in the, in the place of power, the place of authority, the place of preference, the right hand of God. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 21 uh, and 22, it says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but of the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Again, going back to the idea that uh, he has all authority in heaven and in earth. And then uh, also notice Acts chapter 2, verse 33 to verse 36. Therefore being... Uh, by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye uh, now see and hear. For David is not ascended into heavens, but he saith unto himself, or saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on thy, my right hand, until I make thy, food, my, thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly, 
that God hath made that Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Uh, he is ascended on high. He is glorified as our King. He is the one who rules over the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And, and, and Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, uh, there is a predictive description of this. It says, There I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him, and there was given to him dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. And so he is glorified as uh, the Messiah. He is glorified as the high priest. He is glorified as our king. We see that took place. This glorification took place at the um, um, ascension. And then the second purpose for the ascension was the preparation of the disciples. You know, he said it was expedient for you that I should go away. John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you, truth is expedient for you or advantageous for you that I go away. For if I go uh, not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And so uh, if he remained, then the Holy Spirit would not come unto them. And so uh, it was expedient. It was to their advantage that he leave, that he leave them. You see, the, the responsibility uh, has now shifted. You know, in John chapter 20 and verse 21, Then said Jesus to them, Again, peace be, with, be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. You know, Christ came from the Father to do His will, to return, to restore uh, people back, to reconcile them back to Christ, back to God. And now He says, I, even as I have been sent, I am now sending you. He is shifting the responsibility onto them. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, He said, You uh, shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We see there a preview of the, the scope of the book of Acts as they uh, spread out from Judea, uh, Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and finally into all the world. The responsibility, though, is shifting from Christ. Uh, he, he has done His work. His work on this earth was concluded. It's now time for His disciples to take up uh, where He left off. Uh, in Acts chapter uh, 1 verse 10, after the ascension, after he's taken out of their sight, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said also, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So they watch him as he ascends. 
He's gone. It was confirmed by the two men that he will come again. But in the meantime, the responsibility has been shifted unto them. We see uh, part of this preparation is the Holy Spirit given to the, the apostles. It was necessary for him to go away. It was expedient. It was advantageous for him to go away so that they could receive the spirits. He could not uh, send the Spirit upon them until he was reigning in heaven. He could not reign until he sat down at the right hand of God. John chapter 16 verse 13 says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. To come he shall glorify me, for he shall receive a mine and shall show it unto you. They were told to stay there, to remain in the city of Jerusalem until they are clothed with power from on high. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you have been endued with this power from on high. They would be, uh, the Holy Spirit would come upon them, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And uh, they would be witnesses, they would testify of Christ. In Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4, we see this was fulfilled. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven fires like as of cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, the Lord then prepared his apostles to fulfill the weighty responsibility that he had given them to go in all the world to teach uh, the gospel to every creature. And so uh, the twofold purpose of the ascension was to glorify Christ and to repair his disciples for their great mission. Now, you know, there's a lot more that could be said about the ascension. You know, but, you know, maybe what we've said uh, is enough to bring each of us to a greater appreciation of the position uh, at the close of Christ's life on earth, or of, uh, at its position, excuse me. The purpose of the, the uh, ascension. Christ is now in heaven at the right hand of God, reigning over his kingdom, the church, and interceding, acting as the high priest on our behalf. You know, the next climactic event for Jesus and for us will be his second coming, when the faithful will meet him in the air. Again, those two men, those two angels, they said, in like manner as you saw him ascend, you will see him descend when he returns. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, it says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7 says, Behold, he cometh with the clouds, every eye shall see him, 
And they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. On that day, every eye will see him descend. Just as the apostles saw him ascend, every eye will see him descend. On that great day of judgments, that great climactic events, are we ready for that day? Are we prepared to face that day, to look up and to see him returning in the clouds? That's a great day for those that are faithful in Christ. That's a great day for those that lived their life and died in faithful service to God. But to those that are outside of the body of Christ, again it says, all kindred of the earth shall wail Because of him. Those that are outside of Christ. It's not going to be a great day at all. It's going to be a day of abject terror. How do we prepare ourselves to be ready for that day? We become his disciples. Even as we looked at in the Great Commission. We become his disciples. We follow him. We obey him. A a disciple obeys his master. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. 1 John chapter 5 tells us that his commandments are not burdensome. They're not grievous. We must believe, and based upon our belief, we must repent of our sins, confess our belief, be baptized to wash away our sins, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then uh, we just need to continue in faithful, dedicated service to him. Today, if you're here and you have not obeyed the gospel, we urge you to make preparation today to put on Christ in baptism. If you're here today as one who has not been faithful as a Christian, we urge you to repent because today is the day of salvation and tomorrow may be too late. Your subject invitation, won't you please come forward to the front as together we stand and sing.